Welcome, friends, to another Developing Kirtland podcast episode. I am Master Sergeant Diane Brown-Trent. Joining me are Master Sergeant Sean Devereaux and Staff Sergeant Kimberly Nagel. Today's guest is Chief Master Sergeant Bryant Roy, who is the outgoing Operations Group Superintendent for the 58th Special Operations Wing. We'll be touching on a variety of topics to include leadership, development, and feedback. We hope you enjoy it. All right, Chief Roy, thanks for joining us. So this is episode two of Developing Kirtland. Uh, Chief, you were the former 58th Ops Group Superintendent. You're between jobs. What are you doing right now? Oh, man. Uh, well, I am trying to stay out of the way of the current 58th Ops Group Superintendent, my friend uh, Chief Kevin Stewart. So it's kind of weird when you've been in a place for a couple years and you know the lay of the land and then you deploy and you get back and there's a new commander and I have an assignment, so I'm kind of waiting to leave. So I'm gonna should get to leave here in the next uh, next month or so, and uh, really just trying to stay out of his way and add value where I can. Doing podcasts. Doing podcasts, man. Podcasts, yeah. So who's your who's your first guest again for this? Chief McCoy. Oh, I'm I'm fairly certain to do a better job than him. So and, you know. and just, he set the record for number of listens. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna get one with him. All to right. Tune in, so oh man. We got 61. That's my boy. Yeah. Um, so, Chief, uh, we're going to get right into it. You have a lot of talking papers out there. Um, you talk about feedback and development and things that NCOs and senior NCOs should look for and, and, and do, and senior NCOs, uh, how they should groom their, their airmen. Yeah. Um, what prompted you? You're one of the few chiefs that I know that put thoughts on paper sure. and, and decimated out. Uh, what prompted you to do that? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I joined the Air Force when I was 18 years old, and uh, I thought I was going to do four years and get out. Well, I'm coming up on 26 years. And um, I will tell you that I am not the guy I am today without the feedback, both positive and negative, that I've received over that entire span. And I'm continuing to receive feedback, right? Uh, but really, I, I feel very strongly about it because the Air Force uh, not only raised me as, as an airman, but as a man as well. And I, I picked up a lot of uh, lessons along the way. Um, uh, on a lighter note, one, uh, one thing that I was introduced to over the last year by my exec, uh, Technical Sergeant J.T. Mills, I hope you're listening, pal. Uh, J.T. taught me about the, uh, the wonders of safety razor shaving. And my shave on my face has gotten so much cleaner and better and cheaper. And that's from feedback I got through a tech sergeant. He's like, Chief, you got to step up your shaving game, man. And so anyway, he dialed me in on this, and I love it. And I'm a convert to safety razor shaving. And uh, just another example of why I think it's important to to continue to grow and stay challenged. So feedback uh, professionally and and personally is, is, is of utmost importance to me as a not only as an airman, as a chief, but also as, as Brian, as a man. Have you gotten feedback that has stuck out to you? Uh, I know you got the, the shaving feedback, <laughs> but is there anything along, along your growth and your 26 years in um, that, that stood out that you remember? Anything that kind of triggered that, you know, I'm going to write a talking paper on feedback that someone gave to you? I, I think those, those uh, very uh, hard-hitting moments, they don't, and this is what I would encourage any airmen out there that are listening right now, is the feedback that you're getting in the moment, it, it might not resonate with you at that time. It takes time to mature, right? It's, it's, we hear it all the time, right? There's, there's a parable in the Bible about scattering some seed, right? And so oftentimes when we go out and we give that feedback or we get it, there's some seed that's been dropped. And some of it's going to grow, some of it's not. And so what I would say is as I, as I reflect on it, at, the mo- at that moment, it might have felt like a bite in the butt, but it's probably something that I really needed, you know. Um, yes, I, there's one that stands out to me. I, I, I'll, uh, just a great mentor that I had, uh, Chief Master Sergeant Jackie Green. He was, um, one of my, he was my squadron superintendent at the 966 Airborne Air Control Squadron at Tinker. I was a senior master, senior master sergeant at the time, and uh, I was getting... I was getting 
probably a little too worked up over some administrative stuff, you know, just something that would be done today and forgotten tomorrow. And uh, I, I was letting some folks have it. I was letting some master sergeants have it about it. And uh, Jackie pulled me to the side. He pulled me in his office. He said, Brian, there's a really fine line between passion and anger. And he said, you step too far with it. He said, you'll lose your audience. And I needed that. I needed that. I needed to hear that. And that was 2011 or 2012. And I still remember Jackie's face right now telling me that in his office. Uh, I mean, just I look at him and the way he conducted himself. And he's really everything that I wanted to be like as, as a chief. He's, he's long retired now. He's back in Oklahoma City. We're still friends on Facebook. Um, don't stay in touch as much as, as, as I would like. But I, it, it's, it's moments like that. And, uh, and I just remember him telling me about that line between passion and anger. He said, people love you for your passion, man. But when it spills over into anger, that's where you're going to lose people. And uh, it was really good feedback. And I needed to hear in that moment. And I think I'm a better leader because of things like that. Was it harder to hear that feedback as a senior master sergeant compared to maybe when you were a staff sergeant? Something, something along those lines. Uh, because I, I would imagine as a senior master sergeant, you know, or as a senior NCO, you feel like you've, you've been in the game for a minute and you know these things and then somebody pulls you aside and offers you a slice of humble pie. Oh gosh, that- man! No, I've been no, I've been a chief now for five years, and I am continuing to learn like all the time. Uh, you know, it, whether it's it comes through subordinates, and I, I, I tell I'll tell leaders out there, man, you have to make you have to be approachable enough where guys can can challenge you on things in a tactful way, of course, right? We got to remember we're in the Air Force, uh, but but you know, there's been times where I've had um, subordinates go, "Hey, chief, you took it a little too far on that one." And I needed to hear that. And I, I would say, man, if I can't, uh, if I can't take that feedback, I owe it to everybody, everybody here in this room, everybody listening to retire. I should leave if I can no longer accept that feedback. And uh, I, we should never be above correction. You want to throw it out? Yeah, I completely agree. I actually just had a discussion like that with uh, with an airman. Um, he was a little bit older than probably some of his NCOs, right? So he's kind of running into issues mm-hmm. at times, you know, not that he is challenging them, but maybe they perceive it as him challenging them. Sure. So the feedback should go both ways. So what what's your advice to those maybe some of the younger NCOs that haven't quite found their, you know, where they want to be as right. a supervisor, but they are supervising people. You know, you have to be open to some of that feedback. I'm not talking about, you know, the disrespectful feedback. But of course feedback like you know you can be wrong as a supervisor and NCO obviously you have a lot to learn still and you know what, what would you say to those NCOs uh, you know I, I think if the only time that you're interacting with your subordinates is when is if you're correcting them if that's the only time you're interacting you're way behind the the power curve on that you have to establish a relationship uh, I'll throw a person out there who's been influential in my life, uh, Super Dave Myers, Technical Sergeant Super Dave Myers. Uh, great dude, one of my first supervisors in the Air Force. And what this guy used to do with me is uh, when he wanted to give me some feedback, he'd walk me over to the PAX terminal and uh, he'd buy me usually a little snack out of the vending machine and we'd sit at the PAX terminal and he'd just talk to me. And Super Dave really, I, he truly is a guy that would give you the shirt off his back. Um, this was probably the late 90s. But I, the, the conversations I had with Super Dave and the, uh, the, uh, the mentorship that I got from him, I, I would tell young supervisors, hey, guys, you, you have to be out there getting to know your airmen, and they have to be able to, to interact freely with you. And then that way, when it's time to have a difficult conversation, because everybody, it's super easy to go out and just give good news to people, right? But what, what I want to encourage people is, so that the people that are the listeners, I would tell them that the... Some of the best feedback that I got is stuff that really stung me, but I needed to hear it. But I respected the people that were giving it to me because they had taken the time to get to know me first. So if you're a young supervisor out there, guys, if you haven't if you haven't had lunch with your airmen, I know it's kind of weird with the COVID stuff going on right now. First available opportunity you get to take your subordinate out to lunch and not talk about the feedback, the, the ACA, not talk about what the expectations are at work, but really just find out about their family, find out about where they're from, find out about their hobbies, what interests them, you know? And, and really, if, if you build that rapport, 
it's going to be so much easier when the more difficult conversations come. So, so with that, um, you know, we have a lot of initiatives on this base to help develop those frontline supervisors. Obviously, there, there's something missing, right? In, in my opinion, at least. So, do you think that we're doing enough to mentor and develop our frontline supervisors? And you know, what can we do better? Well, uh, you know, it's been a while since I attended Airman Leadership School. And it's been a while since I went to NCO Academy. I went to Airman Leadership School in 1999. NCOA was 2005. And then I did my senior NCO Academy with the Marine Corps uh, at Quantico. And that was really cool, by the way. So if you guys get a chance to do uh, joint PME in residence especially, it's, it's awesome. Go do it. Um, it's been a while since I've had to take a, take a peek at the curriculum at what they're teaching out there. But... Uh, and I, I'm a big advocate for time and grade because I think you have to just go through, you have to practice these skills, right? I, I would say that the first time that I gave feedback, the first time I wrote an EPR, it was probably a dumpster fire. It was probably terrible, right? I remember my first troop, Airman First Class, Mike Raley. I, they literally assigned me this guy the day after I graduated Airman Leadership School, right? So I... I'm sure I sucked, you know, and, and that's not to say that I'm some great dude now, but the thing is you have to get that repetition, that, that muscle memory. Um, do I think that our PME curriculums give them a good foundation? Yes, absolutely. I think they're getting a good foundation in it, but gosh, I hope none of you guys graduate going, man, I guess I'm an expert now in this. You're not, you know? And so if you're, if you're flight chief or you're a flight commander or squadron commander, whomever leadership structure you, you guys deal with, if they offer you an opportunity to rate on an airman or to supervise, do not shy away from contact. Accept that responsibility uh, because you're going to have a tremendous impact on that person's uh, life and career, hopefully if you're doing it right. So I, yes, do I think that we're teaching some things? Would I like to see record reviews incorporated in the, in the PME curriculum? Yes, I would, because I think it's a skill that everybody needs to have. Mm -hmm. but, um, but for the most part, I think they're getting the nuts and bolts and then you gotta go out there and you gotta master your craft. I think that's the difficult thing is it's uncomfortable being a new supervisor, getting a brand new yeah. troop. Yeah. Uh, how do I write a 1206? How do I write a bullet? Right. Uh, it, it's a struggle and Oftentimes we get so busy that it seems like our supervisors like help me, but everyone is kind of doing their own thing mm -hmm. and they're in their silo, and it's a struggle to really learn that craft. Um, right. But you mentioned something about time and grade and, and, and muscle memory. So we had a podcast about fast burners, and we had a couple sharp tech stars and stuff oh. who were, you know, just moving. I think they were seven or eight years in tech sergeants, and they had said that they felt like they weren't trusted sure. because they were so young, but they were carrying the rank mm -hmm. and they didn't feel like they were, uh, there was a governor on their engine and then they, they weren't let loose because they were just young, time and great. Right. Any thoughts on that, Chief? Oh man. So through the lens of perspective, and it's, it's always hard to see when you're going through things, right? Um, I made, I made Chief Basically, I sewed it on like right at my 20-year point, right? I never made the stripe the first time. Um, I wasn't senior and below the zone. I made every stripe the second time except senior took me three times. Excuse me, the only stripe that I did make the first time was chief. That is the only one. Um, but that, that is my road. And everybody looked at me at that time when I made it right at that 19, 20-year mark. They're like, wow, man, fast burner, man, 20-year chief, holy smokes. Um, it seems like even now I'm meeting more and more like younger chiefs, I'm meeting dudes like, you know, 15, 16 years, you know, and I, I would say this, what I'm looking for, well, first of all, I, I've written, my, I've definitely pissed off some of my ops group, senior NCOs, and I, I am honored that they would tell me and send me emails, you know, uh, uh, not anonymously and go, chief, hey, man, I think, I think you're wrong, man. I think you're wrong. And I respect that because uh, I'm like, hey, noted, understood. And, and I, I, I listen to what they have to say and we talk through it a little bit, but, but really I just, I believe in seasoning. Uh, and that happens, that happens at different times for different people. But one thing that I'm looking for in a first time out guy, uh, is the maturity to raise their hand when they're whipped and we all get there. Right. I remember being a brand new first Sergeant back in 2009 and, uh, I was in New Jersey and I'm gonna tell you, 
I didn't know my butt from all on the ground. I mean, I, I survived that first year of being a first sergeant by phone a friend, right? Who wants to be a millionaire, picking up the picking up the phone, calling my friend Jason, hey man, this is what I'm dealing with, what do I do? Having some great mentors uh, that walked me through that first year of being a first sergeant, right? And so what I would say is that's probably been a feather in my cap in terms of personality wise is I've made all sorts of mistakes. I continue to make mistakes to this day, but uh, I'm pretty good about not repeating them. And when I do uh, walk into a difficult situation, I feel like um, I will raise my hand and I, I, I'm, I'm not above asking the youngest airman in the room going, hey, hold on. I don't know what you're talking about. Walk, walk me through that again and have them teach me. And so I want to see maturity from our young um, fast burners because here's the, here's the deal, guys. If you haven't run into a roadblock yet or into a supervisory conundrum uh, yet that, that has you whipped where you don't know what to do, please do not fake it. Please, because you are going to hose somebody's life and or career. Um, you have to slow it down. Say, hey, man, I need 24 to 48 hours to phone some friends. I got to try to figure out what's going on, you know. But uh, please have the maturity if you're a young fast burner out there to raise your hand and approach uh, somebody with a little more experience that can help guide you through that. All right. So we need to maintain that humility and that hunger to learn, whether you've been in four years 14 years or 24 years, whatever it may be. Kind of a team approach. Oh, absolutely. It takes a village, man. There, I, I, I am not, I'm not the dude I am. The, the chief I am, the first sergeant I was, the senior NCO, the NCO, without um, a great team around me. Sergeant DVT and I heard a, heard a quote. I think Chief Rice said it, uh, alone you'll go fast, together you'll go far. Far, yep, yep. That, that, that stuck. Yeah, that's a great quote. It is. I think that was an African proverb. Yeah, he shared that. He shared that with us as well as chiefs, and I, I, I could not agree with him more. I think Chief Wright knocked that one out of the park. Yeah. And I think it definitely takes a lot of maturity to, to know when, like you said, you've been whipped and to ask for help. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to that, to, to that point, and I think the subordinate, if you're honest with the subordinate about that, now, if, if you don't know anything about anything, right, if they're, if they're bringing things to you and, you know, nine times out of ten, you just go, uh, I don't know, I, I think you got a problem there. But... If every once in a while an airman brings a difficult situation to me, I'm like, man, that's a darn good question. Let me let me do some research. I think the airman will respect you more, and it's. It, I think you're you're demonstrating them that you're taking their issues serious enough to go back and double and triple check to make sure you give them the right answer the first time. Because as you guys know, I mean, you you guys have been around for a little bit. You know, there's decisions that we make about career things, whether we stay, we get out, what um, you know, whether we retrain, we don't retrain, whatever it may be. But these guys, the, these windows are open and close, you know, really quickly, you know, and um, yeah. So th those are just things that I think we should keep in mind, that humility as supervisors. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'll touch on your other talking paper. When, when oh, and by all means, please. I mean, if, if we can make these things available to people, I mean, spread them far and wide. I, I'll stand by anything I said in there. And if people have feedback for me, I... I whether it's from a chief or an airman basic, I don't care, man. I send it. I, I want to read it. Yeah, we're actually talking about yeah. putting these out there. And actually, you, you talked to five, six uh, committees, top three. The feedback that we've received, they all loved what you brought to the table because there seems to be a lot of confusion when it comes to the promotion process, mm -hmm. uh, even understanding what EFDP means, right. uh, strats, strats seem like a big question mark. Mm -hmm. um, I asked a couple folks and, and they asked, uh, they kind of, they had this question for you, Chief. Sure. Regarding feedback, especially with strats, you know, the, our, our members will hear, you don't get out enough. You need to get outside your four walls. Mm. You're stuck in wherever. And, you know, hey, there's the top three, there's the five, six, there's right. these organizations. On the opposite end of that, you get out too much. You got to take, care of, take sure. care of home base. And it seems like it's, you know, the, the, the person in the leadership position dependent because somebody might be saying one thing and then the next year look at the records mm -hmm. and say the complete opposite. Right. And people are throwing up their hands. And change of commands happen all the time, right? People come in yeah. and out of the unit. You know, Chief Roy was the OG superintendent, and now it's somebody new. And that guy, that guy or gal might have a different perspective on how they view these things. You're right. It's 
Yes. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, man. No, no. I think you hit it. I mean, that is exactly the question. What, what do we do? How, how do we, how do we combat that? Yeah. So, okay. This is a, it's a, it's a nuanced question. Your experience uh, may vary, listeners out there. Uh, your, your experiences may vary. What, what I would say is, um, if you are doing the right things for the right reasons. Uh, in time, maybe not necessarily your time, something that you're comfortable with, but in time, I, I believe that you have a chance to be considered for something difficult as a senior NCO stratification. So you brought it up. I think it's important for every senior NCO to know right off the top, and this is what I talk to about with my guys, you got to understand that for us, senior master sergeant is numerically the most difficult rank to make, right? Uh, it, it is. I mean, that's what ten percent. You know, year to year, Air Force average is hovers in the ten percent, eight to twelve. You know, whatever it is, um, it's low. So that tells me that there are nine out of ten master sergeants, senior NCOs, that are not earning that stratification. That that's tough, man. I mean, that is a really really narrow gate. And so you're right. It is kind of a balance. And I think. What I've seen is, and what I hate to hear, is how if somebody gives feedback, and I've heard this before, right? I'm not gonna throw any of my predecessors under the bus, but I've had people get upset they didn't get a strat, and they said, oh, well, last year so-and-so told me, well, if I just do this one extra thing, then I'm gonna get it next year. But I would say to that person, to, to, to my fellow chief, I would say to my fellow chief, to my fellow leader, hey, man, here's the deal. The, the pool of people changes every single year, right? People get promoted, people separate, people PCS, people get DUIs. We don't know. I mean, it, every year that list, people come into the come into the pool, they go out of the pool for whatever reason. And so I think it's irresponsible for us as leaders. I, I would I would talk to my fellow chiefs and go, guys, if you're if you're promising stratifications or or accolades or whatever it is to your people, awards, you you name it, insert accolade here. If you're promising those things to people saying, oh, well, if you just do this one extra thing next year, right, uh, you're, you're basically selling a bill of goods that um, really is probably going to be null and void the following year. And especially in light of the fact, like you said, I mean, we, even leaders turn over, right? So it it's a difficult discussion. Um I think it starts with a record review. I think it starts with a plan. What I try to talk to, I, I am proud of the fact that uh, every senior NCO in my organization uh, get, gets a feedback, not only from the direct supervisor, but I also give them a feedback as well. I do perform a record review with every single senior NCO in my organization. And we try to come up, I try to get to know them a little better, try to find out what their goals are. And oftentimes at high levels, there's competing interests, right? There's, there's uh, spouses' jobs, there's kids in school, there's um, outside opportunities. And so I just need to kind of get an, an idea of kind of what's going on in people's lives and talk through a little bit about, hey, what can we come up with a plan that makes sense? What can we do to provide you some, some different opportunities? I would just caution senior NCOs out there, and I think this is where a lot of people get jilted, and we see it on the officer side as well, major to lieutenant colonel, lieutenant colonel to, to colonel, where people feel like they have to go off and chase something, and then when it doesn't come up, it, it turns in, it really just sours, it, it, it bitters the water, and that's where we get a lot of passed over, checked out senior NCOs, which to me, it, it, it's a problem, right? And, and I understand. Easy for you to say, Chief, right? You're the one sitting here that's been a been a chief now, so easy for you to say. And I'm, I, and I, I would just say, and I know it might sound corny, and somebody would say, "Ah, eh, Chief, I don't believe you." I, honest, honest to God, truthfully, this is what I believe: is that I had to let go a little bit. I had to kind of let go of some of that control, controlling my next assignment, controlling my next duty title, controlling whatever it was going to be, right? And I kind of just had to give some of those things up and be comfortable with who I was here in my chest, in my heart, with who I was as a leader. Um, and uh, that really, for me, was was freedom. That, that was freeing. And good things did happen. But, um, and, I, and I did act on some, some advice that was given to me by other leaders, right? They said, hey, you can do it or not do it. It's, it's your choice. But I acted on it, and, and things came back well for me. So um, I am aware that it might sound uh, that I am preaching from the mountain right now, 
but I, but, but I really want you to believe me that I did have to let go of some personal control and just kind of go with the flow on some things. That's right. That's what I gather. Just control what you can control. Uh, stay true to your compass and, and keep pressing forward. Yes. Yeah, you got to stay true to those same values um, that, that you've had coming up, right? If I fundamentally change as a senior NCO because I'm chasing something that's primarily going to benefit myself, that's going to bring glory to myself, then I'm probably doing this now for the wrong reasons. And I'll go back, I'll circle back to the, what's the first thing I said, do the right things for the right reasons. You do them long enough and in time, maybe not your time, if you're patient, right? Patience is one of the hardest things I think we all deal with in today's society. It's a thing. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I fight with it every day, man. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm still in it myself. So at any rate, hopefully that, that connected with the audience a little bit. With that being said, you kind of touched on this. Strats, I got, let's say I got a strat last year mm-hmm. or I was close. Now this year, uh, is it the same? Should I... Uh, does it matter that if I got one last year, then I should kind of, you know, gear towards, hey, I'm going to get one this year. I'm, I'm in the zone. Yeah, once again, you don't, you, don't know who the, you don't know who your competition is, right? And, it, it's, and that's what makes it tough sometimes when we're doing strat feedback is it's almost impossible for me to talk about you without talking about DBT over here, right? If you guys were up against each other and you're like, well, why didn't I get it? I'm like, well, it's not so much what you didn't do. Maybe it's more so what somebody else did. So it's very hard to get into that conversation. You know, I think even for NCOs with the force distribution panel, how do I give that feedback without, well, here's the person's record that did get it. And this is kind of what we think of this person and everything else. So it becomes an issue, a little bit of a conflict of interest. So um, what I try to focus on is, hey, man, what are some things that we can do to position you to get a look next year? And my friend, uh, Chief Ben Taylor, I hope you're listening, pal. Uh, Chief Ben Taylor, he's out in Nellis right now. Um, he, he told me something when he earned a strat. He told me, uh, he said, Chief, it was just an honor to be in the conversation. And that's it, really, as an NCO competing for EFTP or a senior NCO competing for a stratification. If your name's just around the discussion, you're doing great, man. Keep up the great work. That's what I would encourage you with. Well, if it was me against DBT, uh, DBT would win in a landslide. I just want to... You sure, man? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. She's organized. <laughs> well, we kind of circled out to strats, but we use that word a lot and kind of freely. Sure. And honestly, until the position I'm in as the exec, I did not know the difference between the EFDP and what a strat was. Sure. I thought I was fighting for a strat, but I'm not fighting for a strat. Right. I'm fighting for... A rating on EPR. Right. Can you kind of explain the difference and how how that kind of works? I think the difference now uh, it is is really just kind of in the words. So um, you, you know, you guys are fighting for a force distribution, mm-hmm. right? And I shouldn't say you guys are fighting for it. I'd say you're, you're striving, right? We're out there. We're, we're doing the best that we can. Um, we're trying to challenge ourselves with some things uh, inside of work, outside of work, whatever it may be, right? Um, we can talk more about that if you'd like. But what, here's the deal. At the end of the day, the promote nows and the must promotes, those are statistically limited, right, to a set number. And that's all written in AFI 362406. If guys want to get smarter on that, it, there's a chart in there that tells you how many, first of all, tells you, you know, you, Sergeant Nagel, if you're going to compete at the uh, a large unit or a small unit, right? And then it's going to tell you, how many how many people promotion eligibles that we have to choose from and then the commander is going to be limited to a certain percentage that they're going to be able to select so um really it's it's not too different right so what we know is for the promote now it's what percent do you know offhand for us here for for ncos five percent yep and then what is the percentage for the must promote ten percent ten that's right so 10%. Now, it's a little different for senior and the staff. Senior and staff is 15%. Um, but so that, that's, a, that's a small little grouping so that are going to earn those high marks. But what I, would, what I would remind NCOs of is the bulk of the promotions are going to come out of the what? The promote category. The one that is not force distributed. I don't know what that verb is. But anyway, the, we know that the majority of the promotions come out of the non-force distributed 
the, the promote ratings. Those are the people that get the bulk of the promotions. So how do you go about being a frontline supervisor and telling your senior and that bottle year, sorry, you're ending up with the promote? It's still such a, a hard topic to say. It is. You did your hard work, but maybe someone did harder or did something different. How do you have that conversation? Well, uh, I, I think if if you're armed with some knowledge, right? So I would encourage every, every frontline supervisor that has to deliver that news to at least go to the flight, flight chief level, you know, the first, uh, you know, um, the first senior NCO and say, hey, what, what's some information that you can give me about how things went, right? Um, and I think if you, you as a supervisor are armed with that information, you're going to be able, no, I, I do not encourage you to get into, well, who got it and who didn't, right? It shouldn't become like a, some, some sort of high school uh, gossip thing. But what I would say is if you can get information about, hey, how, how, did, my, how did my guy compete? You know, focus on your guy. Don't, don't bring up who got it. Just say, hey, you know, uh, Airman Roy, how, how did he compete for this? What, do you guys have any thoughts? Do, uh, you know, was there... Was he thought well of by the by the commander and the first sergeant and the chief? Is there, what, what can what can I get him on in next year's feedback? Him or her, get him on, on to to get them ready for being considered even more closely, right? So that's really all we can do as we go into it. Is hopefully we spend the majority of our time focusing on the future, right? I don't think you beat around the bush. You know, bad news doesn't get better with time, right? So just say hey. And really getting a promote is not bad news, but for the sake of this argument, I think everybody, I think most airmen out there are high achievers. They, they would like to achieve that. They'd like to be put in position, but just say, hey, you, you did not earn the, the force distribution this year, but here's the feedback that I have for you, right, that they were willing to share. And um, these are what my plans are. We're going to build this into the ACA, and we're going to talk about next year, or I'm going to talk about with your new supervisor. Here's some things that we'd like to see from you whatever it may be, right? And then if that if that airman still has questions, I, I don't think it's out of line to approach that first senior NCO in the chain and just go, hey, you know, because remember at the end of the day, who, who normally is gonna sign those EPRs, right? You're gonna have the, the raider and the additional raider oftentimes is gonna be the first senior NCO. So let them talk to the additional raider. Hey, what do you know? They're, they're part of the chain of command too. Now, do I think you just go barging in the commander's office and hey, I wanna know why I didn't get this promote now. No, I don't think that's appropriate. But I think you as a supervisor can, uh, can give them about an 80% solution. And then just remember, sometimes people are just gonna need some time to get over some things, right? If they get if they get kind of uh, frustrated with it, I, I feel like everybody deserves a solid, I don't know, week or two to kind of cool off. We still need to be professional, but I mean, hey, people need to get through some stuff. I've had some disappointments and I took some leave. I was like, I gotta take some time off, man, you know? So it, maybe maybe offer that to them. Hey man, can, do you wanna take some leave? If, if, you're, if they're really upset about it. So anyway. Some ideas. There, there's a communication piece. There's an art to communication. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're saying about practice and time of grade. A senior NCO that's had that conversation multiple times is going to go about having that conversation differently that's right. than somebody who hasn't. All right. How long did that take you to kind of maybe master? I mean, you're, you're a great speaker, Chief. So how, how long did it take you to master that conversation or that communication piece so maybe have a senior NCOs that didn't make it, or, or you know, when it was yeah. tech sergeant, you know, the, the, those younger than you. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I haven't mastered it, right? Um, just my my friend out there, uh, Chief Tim Jordan. He was he's the maintenance group superintendent over here at the 58th. He gave me a book about a year and a half ago. It's called Emotional Intel Emotional Intelligence 2.0, because I, I I was having some interactions that probably weren't the most uh, fruitful, right? with some of my fellow chiefs. I'll leave it at that. But I could have done a little better job, right? I, I, my social IQ probably wasn't as dialed in as it needed to be. And it, it's still, it needs work all the time, right? But uh, it's still a work in progress. Uh, it, how does Steph Curry get good at shooting threes? Shoots threes. Shoots a lot of damn threes, right? And so you just have to have those conversations. You have to, you have to work on it, right? And it's not, now, I do feel like I, I am blessed with a little bit more of a, an outgoing personality, right? This this is tiring for me though, going through this. Like I will be, what do they call this? And I think I'm more like an extroverted introvert type thing. So you gotta kind of know yourself a little bit. But I, I would encourage even people that are maybe are not good, uh, maybe at speaking with others or, or having difficult conversations. 
my, my friend, Chief Mark Rogers, he's a group chief over in Spang Dollum right now. Uh, Mark is a dude that we're very different in how we present information, how we do it. But when I look at how he interacts with other senior NCOs and leaders and, and, and his NCOs, uh, I think Mark, he makes it work perfect, right? So you don't have to have this, this very outgoing personality to be able to connect with airmen. Um, Mark told me, he, he, he said, he said, uh, he said, hey, man, I would really appreciate it if you would just never put me on the spot. He just knows that that's kind of a weakness for him. He does not like it when I go, hey, uh, Chief Rogers, you got anything you want to share with the group? He's like, uh, uh, you know, he'll, he'll G-lock on you. But if I tell him before, if I go, hey, Chief, man, hey, I'm going to ask you tomorrow to go and talk to the NCOs about X. Oh, my gosh. Like, when we go in there and he, he starts talking, and I'm like, that was amazing, man. Like, I don't, that was perfect. So... I think knowing yourself is important. So for me, uh, two things for me that make things difficult are if I'm tired or I'm hungry. Seriously. Seriously, right? Those are, those are two things that I know that I am not going to be geared for a tough conversation is if I'm tired or I'm hungry. And I'll admit it, flat out. Um, I had a snack before I came in here. I knew you were going gr- to grill me on this podcast. So I was like, <laughs> I better have a snack. I ate a snack driving over here. And uh, I just, I, I think self-awareness. So um, I mentioned a book in there. Uh, it's by uh, Dr. Travis Bradbury, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Um, I encourage every leader, uh, whether you're in the, in the private sector or military, whatever you do, uh, he's got a lot of great information in there that will help you get to know yourself better in things that you're good at and not so good at. I have not mastered this skill. You do pretty good. Uh, do pretty good. I had a snack, man. And I think the, the first <laughs> Steph Curry reference uh, we've had on the podcast is must fixes for our enlisted core. Mm-hmm. What, what is one thing or two things that you think, and I think you kind of touched on with feedbacks, but yeah. Is there anything in your mind glaring that, hey, we need to figure this out? Yeah, so I, I, I feel strongly, and you know, I, I wrote the paper, I do feel strongly that the uh, career development, the, the general record, or the feedback process needs to be improved a little bit because year to year feedback is good, right? But, but ultimately to build a long-term plan to kind of help people towards their goal, right? So if we were talking today and you're like, hey, I want to be a chief in the next five years, that's something we could talk about. You know, we could maybe see if there's a way, but we'd have to piece together the years and say, is that even possible? Is that a realistic expectation, right? Or somebody says, hey, I, you know, I want to I wanna get this assignment next or something like that. Often those decisions will happen, uh, you know, the, you're going to pave a road towards that, or I want to do a DSD. I want to I be a uh, wing command chief exec, or I want to go be a recruiter or whatever it may be. It, Unfortunately, the year-to-year feedback is probably not going to be sufficient. So I think if we were able to layer in not only a year-to-year, but I encourage every chief out there to, to at a minimum, take every senior NCO within your charge, right, in that level below you. So for me as the ops group chief sitting down with all my squadron-level senior NCOs, if you're a squadron chief sitting down with all your senior NCOs in the squadron and really talking about a longer-term look, maybe three to five years, and, and really just trying to, to piece together because, you know, you, if you're going to build towards a goal, oftentimes it starts years out. And so I think that's one thing uh, as an Air Force I think we could probably really improve on. Um, I, a personal concern that I have right now, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but you know, I, I've got some great friends. I've got a, a wife that loves me. I've been married 20 years. I got, I got two awesome kids. Uh, this COVID is a lonely time. It's a lonely time, man. And I, I am concerned. I can only imagine how lonely it is for our young NCOs, our young airmen. You know, I think about these airmen in the dorms over here. Like, just think if you, if you showed up to Kirtland this week, right? You come in and, uh, or even like last year when kind of things were really, you know, really jumping off. It's like, are these, are these, these talks happening? Are these, these lunch times together happening? Are we really getting to know our airmen? You know, I, I would encourage every supervisor out there, if you're listening right now, man, and you haven't touched base with your airmen during this pandemic, bad on you, man, bad, bad on you. Like pick up the phone. When you get done listening to this thing, pick up the freaking phone, 
call your airmen and say, hey, how's it going? Just start start a dialogue because I don't we can do the Zoom meetings until we're dead. And I don't I don't think it's the same. I some somebody would try probably try to say, oh yeah, you know, it's it's the new. I I am not I'm not with that, man. There's no substitute for this, what we're doing here right now. There's no substitute. So uh, I, I have a genuine concern right now in the Air Force about um, is feedback being done? Are airmen feeling valued? Are we maintaining the discipline to the NCO Corps, which really being trusted with airmen's careers? I'm concerned. I'm for real. I'm, I don't know. I don't. Uh, this is just a gut feeling. I don't have any metrics or analytics to back it up. But I'm, I'm just genuinely concerned. I, I got to think that we have a lot of lonely airmen out there. I think starting baseline, don't send the text, don't do the Zoom, but the power of the phone call. I know one of my mentors is like, hey, there's power in a phone call. Yep. You know, at, sometimes people don't like phone calls, but hey, how you doing? That, that means a lot. Well, these young dudes, they screen their calls, right? Like if they're thinking like my teenagers, right? They're like, oh, that's dad calling. I'll wait for them to text me, you know? Especially if they don't have your name in their phone. Like, who yeah. is this? Yeah. yeah. So, you know... Chief Wright and, and a lot of other uh, senior enlisted leaders, not just in the Air Force, but joint service leaders, talk about this intrusive leadership. And I, I'll encourage you supervisors, guys, sometimes you're going to have, um, it's going to feel unnatural a little bit trying to force these conversations. But I just want to tell you that me, Brian Roy, I am living proof that that stuff works. Because do you think that I was going out there and approaching uh, my, my supervisors, hey, give me some great feedback. No, hell no. I mean, I was I was tap dancing by the first sergeant's office. I, I didn't even look into the chief's office, you know, when I was a young guy. I was, you know, some 18-year-old booger picker. I still am, you know, but it's like I'm older now. But the thing is, is I, I needed people to just come seek me out and talk to me about stuff. And uh, I, I have immensely benefited from that. And I wasn't out there looking for it. It's just people putting it into my life, speaking it into my life. And so I, I'm encouraging supervisors. I know this stuff might feel weird and you might feel like it's a drag or it's corny or they're going to think I'm stupid or whatever. No, because down the line, you don't know who you're talking to. You could be talking to the next chief of staff of the Air Force. If you're talking to an officer, you could be talking to the next chief mouse sergeant in the Air Force. You don't know who you're talking to. So what are we pointing at Sergeant Nagel for? Oh, chief mouse sergeant in the Air Force. Chief Chief Master in the Air Force down the line, huh? Yeah, okay. All right, I'll be looking out for you. Awesome. I don't step on your toes. Do you have any more questions? I, I think you kind of touched on it um, with the paper that you had for the enlisted management thoughts. Um, you talked about the importance of developing the airmen, so mm -hmm. like deliberate development right. you know, within your group or right. squadron or whatever it is. Um, I think that's a great thing, especially getting them that breadth of experience. Um, yeah. That's key instead of like being selfish and keeping that person at one position. That's right. Because they're doing great, so let them continuously do that. It, it really frustrates me when I see that. So how how do we get those senior NCOs and supervisors to buy into that? Like, hey, deliberately develop your people. Sure. They're the future. Yeah. Oh uh, no. I, I. It is. It once again, it's unnatural, right? We all like comfort. Everybody likes comfort, you know, your binky in your blanket, right? Everybody likes their, their set thing. They want to come into work at the same time every day. They want to see the same faces. We're comfortable, you know, we're good. But here's the deal though, guys, like um, if it goes on too long, you're going to stagnate that person, right? I, I am a big believer that if you love something, you set it free. I'm a huge believer in that. And that's, that's what's happened to me, right? I'm an ops guy. I came up as an airborne mission systems guy. The, the Air Force allowed me to go be a first sergeant. I'll be honest, at 12, 13 years, I had done everything within my career field, right? I had been a line flyer. I had been a line instructor. I had been a line evaluator. I had been a formal training unit instructor, formal training unit evaluator. I had been in stand eval, which is QA for most other people. Um, I, I was twiddling my thumbs, man. I mean, there was, I was like, okay, what's next? And I had a chief that I really look up to. His name's Jim Philhauer. Long, uh, long since retired, but man, love that guy. Uh, he said, Brian, you ever thought about being a first sergeant? I was like, nope. He's like, why don't you go home and uh, think about it? I was like, all right. So I went home, talked to my wife, uh, prayed about it, thought about it. We knew it was going to be a leap. I had never done any first sergeant duty at all. And I walked back in his office and said, hey, man, I'm interested. So he pulled some strings like to where I was being an ops guy. I was told by a lot of my peers and other, other leaders, like, don't even bother replying. You're an ops guy. They're not going to let you out, blah, blah, blah. And Chief Fellhauer told me, he said, hey, man, if you really want to do it, make the Air Force deny you on paper. He said, put in for it and let them kick back the, uh, um, kick back the application. 
And I remember the career field manager at the time, uh, C.D. Dunham. He was down at uh, um, Randolph Air Force Base, Texas. He calls me up. He said, Brian, you really want to be a shirt? And I said, if it's okay with you. And he said, okay, man, we'll see you in three years. And literally, I had I had a, uh, a, my, a dream sheet popped into my inbox, and I welcomed the Air Force First Sergeant Academy. So I, I, I encourage guys out there, you, you have to let your people uh, break loose to go do. I always say, um, if they were awesome for you and they want to do something different, go let them be awesome somewhere else in the Air Force. Now, if they're not doing a great job, that's a different supervisory challenge, right? That's, that's on you to not give up on them. That's on you to develop them and give them the feedback and put them in a position to succeed. But I'm talking about the all-stars right now. If they're out there, you know, kicking butt and taking names, then I, I ask you guys as leaders to allow them uh, opportunities to open up their aperture. I, I'll be honest, that, that first sergeant assignment that I did, it kicked my tail. But I, I am so much better from that. And it really put a lot of gas back in my tank in terms of taking care of airmen, what I was here for. I stopped identifying just as an ops guy and started identifying more as just big blue, like all airmen. And it really just took my blinders off to a lot of things that I had taken for granted. So I, I am super blessed that I got the opportunity to do that. And uh, I am a beneficiary, once again, of that, of, of um, being able to, to go do different things in my career. So um, this assignment here, this is outside of my comfort zone at the 58th I just finished here. I had never been around special operations or rescue guys, right? Holy crap, that was intimidating. That's, shoot, that's probably a topic we could talk about as well. But um, that was intimidating. My boss here, uh, Colonel Carroll, he changed command when I was deployed last summer. He said, hey man, I'm bringing you in because you're not from this tribe and I like you and I've talked to some people and I think you're gonna be great here. And I, I took that as a real honor. He brought me in, but it was hard, man, going in front of all these like special operations, like straight up warriors. Like these are guys that I have the utmost respect for that have really seen some and done some really amazing things for not only for the Air Force, but for the country. And uh, to be able to step into a leadership role and earn, hopefully go out there and earn their respect. And I think I did. I think I'm mission complete. I, I think that I've left a positive legacy here. And now I'm going to go to Ramstein where I'm going to be around some aeromedical evacuation and DV airlift dudes. And I'm going to show up and I'm not going to know a damn thing. And I'm going to walk up to some staff sergeant and I'm going to be like, hey, teach me about your aircraft. The same way I did for these special ops guys. Hey, oh, look, it's a helicopter. Hey, what does this thing do? You know, I didn't know any of that. And I've been in the Air Force over 20 something years. So I, I think constant learning is what's keeping me sharp and keeping me fresh, keeping me motivated towards new challenges. What's interesting during your, uh, your explanation, your answer, is you mentioned mentors that you've had. I think you mentioned three or four. And I think that's really cool that you remember them, you remember what they said to you, what they did for you, and kind of how you're, you're passing that torch and, and moving on with that, um, being a mentor. I mean, do people reach out to you and they say, hey, Chief, you know, hey, you really helped me out. I mean, I, I imagine that's, that's a pretty cool thing. I, I know for me, I reach out to people that have impacted me and I go, hey, you don't know this, but you made a big difference by doing this. Right. And I think that's, that's something that's really cool. And you can hear it when you speak, you know, about these folks. And hopefully they are listening so they get a little piece of that because I, I think that's kind of what we do when we do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, so I do get those. Um, I save all of them, whether I print off the emails or whatever. It, and the thing is, it's funny because what you'll find Oftentimes, it, the, the people that you had to kick in the butt or the people that you had to have the unpleasant conversation with, you know, when they send you a photo of their master sergeant stripes and they say, chief, I needed that. I, man, wow, dude, like that. If that doesn't do it for me anymore, I'm retiring, dude. Like, seriously, like if, if I if I get those messages from from NCOs, I, I enjoy I enjoy this. I enjoy the interactions. That's why I love the Air Force. I, I love I'm proud of the machines. I'm proud of what we do. I'm proud of the mission set, but I'm even more proud and I'm, and I'm better because of the relationships that I've formed. And so it's just funny, you know, I'll, I'll mention somebody else. Um, she's retired, Chief Master Sergeant Gay Veal. She was a, a NAF chief. Um, I met her when she was a NAF chief. I was a new young chief and she just put me off, man. Like from the moment I met her, I was like, oh, I just, I just, I, something about, I just, I didn't really like her. I didn't really like her when I first met her. Yes. Oh, you know her? Yes, okay, so Gay is phenomenal. She is a friend now, right? But I'll tell you, um, when I first met her, I just didn't really like her. I, I, I don't know if she talked to me, I, but you know what? The more time I spent around her, 
wow, man, she taught me so much about being a chief in the Air Force. And uh, uh, hopefully I get to see her before I leave. I think I'm going to go up to Colorado. She's up in Colorado now. She's, uh, she's, she's working up there in, in Colorado Springs. And I hope, I hope I get to see her um, before I PCS out. There's a good chance that I will. But, man, what, what a friend. What a mentor. And, and just the, the lessons that she's given to me. And, and uh, I'll tell you, like, um, a, a, as a male, I needed to hear some female perspectives. I really did, you know, and I've had some great female mentorship in my career. And I, and I would encourage uh, all, all the men out there listening, if, if you don't have a, uh, a female mentor in your life, um, you know, whether it's uh, maybe it's a family member or a grandparent or um, an airman in uniform, you know, go seek it out. Seek it out. Now, some of it, sometimes it's just going to fall on your lap, but sometimes it's not. Right. But there there are some things that that. As men, we need to get some outside perspectives on, and so I, I will not, um, I will not discount the importance of of getting mentorship from some really, really awesome females during my career. Gay's one that just stands out, and it's, I just thought of her as you were talking through things. Chief, what what do you do to drain your stress bucket? How do you how do you how do you relax? How do you all, all the things that you're doing? people, leadership, how do you go, do you go home, do you watch Netflix, how, how do you relax, how do you, you know, shut it down yeah. and so, recharge? Uh, I think, I think family time's a big part of that, right, and I think right now, COVID, it's a little weird, my kids are doing virtual school, so like, they see me all the time, and I think they're just tired of me, and I'm probably all tired of them, um, but, but I will tell you that we get out and we do activities outside together. Right. So I I spend a lot of my money on activities for me and the family. Right. So I don't drive a new car. I still drive the car I bought when I was a staff sergeant. It's a 2003. It's sitting out there right now. Uh, I bought that when I was a staff sergeant. I just got home from deployment from from Iraqi freedom. Bought that. But um, yeah, so outdoor stuff, skiing. I, I love everything outdoors. Right. Um, skiing. I just did a run in the foothills on uh, Martin Luther King Day. They're dead. I just I just set the timer 45 minutes and I just headed off on a path. So trail running, skiing. Um, I like to hunt and fish. Uh, the fish the fish the fishing was much better when I was stationed in Alaska. But I had two good hunts here in the fall when I got back from deployment. I got back late October. Um, had it went through the quarantine, but then I was able to get out in White Sands Missile Range and hunt oryx. What a story! Guys, catch me in their time uh, with a couple beers in my hand, and we can talk about. That experience, unfortunately, I did not harvest an oryx, but I did harvest an elk, a, uh, a cow elk, the first week in November down in the Gila Wilderness, which was amazing. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. So time spent outdoors is a, is a big way for me to unwind. And yes, I love to watch TV with the, with the wife. We watch some Netflix shows together. Um, I, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much how we spend our time. Yeah. I think that's a great um, roll into a question about work-life balance. Obviously, you see you were air crew, yes. first sergeant, and then you've held a number of superintendent positions. Obviously, you've probably had a lot of long hours, and you said yes. you, know, you pretty much always had a family, um, even for the ones without a family. You know, work-life balance, can you talk about how important that is and self-care? Because I think there was a time where we kind of just ignored it, and I, I try to preach it now, but I know for myself, you know, I, I fell into that as well. Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? I think, and I've had to recalibrate multiple times during my life and, and during my career, you know, and we're, we're continuing to recalibrate, right? And I'm, there's going to be a recalibration that goes on as soon as I hit the ground out at Ramstein. Um, but it's about boundaries, right? We got to build some boundaries, um, not only with our, our, our leaders at work, Right, whoever they may be, whether whether you're a young airman and you've got a, a staff sergeant that you're dealing with primarily, not only leaders at work, but also people at home. Right? What 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 are the expectations? Um, you know, what time with the wife and stuff. So let me give you a for instance. So a for instance would be a time that I had to recalibrate was when I was leaving first sergeant duty. I got picked up to come over and be a special missions aviator on CV-22s. Wouldn't you know it, though, that uh, I got promoted that year. So I got promoted on a Thursday, and they canceled my assignment on a Friday, 
And I specifically remember ripping down the congratulations banner that my wife had put up the day prior when I made senior because I was so upset about having to go back to my old airframe, right? I had to go back to it. And so here's the thing though. I am so glad that I did the lens of experience because I feel like if I would have went into that special operations community, there were some things in my relationship with the wife that weren't where they needed to be at that point in time. And I, I freely admit that um, because I was too far in on the work. The, the first starting thing was running me ragged. Um, and then so that turned out to me in my mind to be a hidden blessing. I don't think I, we were never in danger of losing our marriage. Don't get don't get it twisted. Uh, but it was just kind of one of those deals like this is this is out of whack. You know, I don't want to be present for my kids. So while I was pissed off that I had to go back to my airframe and, and I had to PCS back to a place I'd, I'd rather not, I had to go back to a place that I'd already been to. Um, that was frustrating. That felt like a derailment at the moment, but it turned out to be a massive blessing in terms of boundaries and work-life balance because going back to a little less ops tempo instead of the CV-22 would have only been a step up in ops tempo from what I was doing. It, although it would have probably scratched the itch for me in terms of what I felt maybe I needed to prove, and I say that with air quotes, like I really have nothing to prove. I should be proud of my own story, right? It, but it turned out to be a huge blessing because I, I needed that, and, and, and uh, it went really well. So I think I would encourage people, there are going to be some times when you're going to have to sprint, right? There's going to be, everybody has to sprint. That's what we have to do, right? Um, hopefully we're not, we're not sprinting headlong into a, uh, a full blown, um, war out and out with somebody, right. That nobody wants to sprint that way, but there's going to be times that we're going to be asked at work to, to do a little extra. I would say if that becomes the norm though, then that requires an honest conversation with leadership. What I would encourage people with is here's the deal though, guys, if it, if it turns into, a, a constant woe is me, or this is how all this extra stuff affects me personally, Brian Roy, it, I think leaders are going to be less inclined to want to listen to that. But if we talk about how it's going to affect airmen and how it's going to affect the mission, if we, if we can recage it in terms of that, it is important to have work-life balance because really we need people when they show up to work to be ready to do their absolute best, you know? And if you're, if you're run down, you, what do they say? You, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So uh, if you're empty, how the hell can I expect you to pour into the mission or your airmen? And so it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tightrope act. It only gets more difficult uh, with children and whatever outside commitments you might have, but it's tough. And you, it, it's up to each individual person to, to decide what, what they think is best for that. One more question, Chief. Yes, sir. This is episode two uh, on episode one. Chief McCoy, security forces defender, uh, he, he had 61 listens. Uh, do you think that this, do you think that your podcast episode uh, will be his? Well, I'm, he's going to listen to it. I'm sure he's going to listen to it. Well, if I can get, here, here's the deal. You're, you're talking to the wrong guy because, because of course I'm going to think that people are going to want to listen to me, but I'm not the, we need to like do like some cold call, some airmen to see if they're actually out there listening or if they, even if they've heard of it. Um, I don't know. Chief McCoy is a great dude. Uh, I think it's probably one of those deals where if more people got a chance to listen to Chief McCoy, uh, he, his, his likes and subscribes would only grow from there. Um, there's no way that you're going to tell me that I, or that, I, that I, you'll get me to tell you that I think I'm going to do that much better than Chief McCoy. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. I tried. No, man. That's my boy, man. I like him. That's, that's my dude. So. Well, let's end it with some book recommendations. Yeah. I think some people like to hear that. Yeah. For readers, people like to read. Obviously, you already said Emotional Intelligence 2.0. 2.0, yeah. Anything else that's like one of your favorites? Uh, I, think, I think a must-read for every leader is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Sinek, hopefully I said that right. Uh, I, ju I just think the way that the, he is able to, to illustrate the most important concepts of servant leadership, I, I, I think that that book is just a great starting point. And it, he also has a, a, a YouTube and a TED Talk out there. I encourage guys to do that. But I, I really try to lead in that way. I, I want to lead in a way where, because um, I feel like if you lead through your rank uh, or anything else, people will do just enough to not get in trouble. Right. If I'm constantly have to remind people that I'm a chief, hey, I'm a chief. You should listen to me. That that says more about me than it does about them. Uh, and I think that it's 
it might be effective in the short term, but in the long term, like I said, people are going to do just enough to not get in trouble. I think the better way to lead is by example, to lead by my own personal example, and hopefully regard others uh, as humans and that, that have um, concerns and needs and needs that need to be met. And I should be a part of doing that and helping to fulfill those things and, and really never ask my airman to do something I would not do or have not done personally, right? If I ask you to buff a floor, man, I promise you, I have buffed the floor. So if I ask you to do urinalysis monitor, I promise you, I've done more urinalysis monitor than probably anybody that will ever join this podcast in the future. So anyway, um, yeah, we, that's, that's how we have to lead. And I think that, I think that Simon Sinek's book is probably the best one. So those will be my two book, book recommendations, and we'll keep it there for now. Chief, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for yeah. your time. I think we hit an hour exactly. It was awesome, man. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, I appreciate you guys giving me a platform to share some thoughts. And, and uh, yeah, I hope, I hope your listeners find value in this because, really, it, it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what they think, right? It, whether you're reading a paper or you're listening to a podcast, if, if you get something from it, if, if you found this encouraging, then it's worthwhile. But in terms of me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all what I think. Thank you for joining us on another Developing Kirtland podcast. Have a super day and tiger on.